This Rise and Shine podcast series has been made possible by the generosity of the Zeitelman Family Foundation, which is committed to the unity and continuity of the Jewish people through meaningful and relevant Jewish education and wisdom. Even the difficulties can become the birthplace of the healthiest and most sacred bonds, but they require us to put peace and reconciliation above our ego or our personal preferences. This is Rise and Shine, a podcast that offers timeless wisdom and uplifting meditations to fill your heart, feed your soul, and start your day on a positive note. Here is Adrian Gold Davis. The other day, I got a message from my son's girlfriend. It was their anniversary, he had told me, and I wrote her to say how much she meant to us. And she replied with a text that extolled our son's virtues and attributed those virtues to the household that he was raised in. And then she thanked us for raising such a fine man. I am telling you, I literally sobbed in gratitude for a half an hour. And it actually reminded me of a similar call that I had made to my late mother-in-law, thanking her for raising such a mensch. But my husband's family of origin, as I've shared in past podcasts, was very, very different than the one I was raised in. They did things quite differently, and frankly, not always to my taste. But I had been raised to understand the concept of honoring of your mother and father, so I also knew that it applied to them as well. Because if you marry your homework or raise it as a parent, then you also must see your spouse's family as your homework as well. The ubiquitous mother-in-law jokes might be based in cliches, but why on earth would you want to reinforce them? There is something inherently anti-female about demonizing the mother-in-law, even if there's some truth to your struggles there. Your spouse's relationship with their parents is a separate entity to your marriage. And while we're enjoined at the very start of the Torah in the Parsha of Genesis, therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh, this still doesn't preclude them maintaining relationship with their family of origin. So the word cleave in this biblical passage is translated as unites, but the Hebrew word used today is devek, which in modern Hebrew means glue. Now, we Jews know that there's wisdom everywhere, that when we're watchful and attentive, every single person, indeed everything you see and hear, can become a clarification or a metaphor for understanding God's words in the Torah. So, it wasn't surprising to me that my deepest understanding of this idea of cleaving, uniting, and bonding like glue came to me from my husband who is a contractor. He explained to me that there are two kinds of bonds. When one wishes to bond two pieces of wood, for example, one can do what's called a purely chemical bond. That means you take both pieces of wood and you cover them with glue and then you clamp them together. That creates what's called a chemical bond. It's strong and it's powerful, but it actually can be separated because should the glue be a faulty batch or should time and atmospheric conditions change, that chemical bond can be lessened and weakened. That is why to make a strong bond, you're supposed to make what he called a physical 
chemical bond. So what does that mean? Well, simply put, it requires that both pieces of the wood have to first be sanded, roughed up, kind of irritated, and it creates these tiny indentations and spaces within the surface of each board. Then, when you apply the chemical glue, the pieces not just bond superficially, but they in fact become intertwined as one. Like they are solidly, chemically, and physically as one board now. Now, with a bit taken away from one and a bit from the other, they are able to interface completely. And it's ironic, I think, that the gift at the beginning of most relationships is the chemistry, the glue of attraction. But we know that chemistry alone is not sufficient for permanent bonding during a relationship. If each person gives a bit of themselves to the other, and in doing so, they become as one, glued as it were, two souls and two bodies bonding and becoming one, well, then in a marriage, even the difficult relationships with in-laws or family of origin can be part of that sanding process, that roughing up process, that irritation that can actually make your bond more complete. This is what I mean by homework. Even the difficulties can become the birthplace of the healthiest and most sacred bonds, but they require us to put peace and reconciliation above our ego or our personal preferences. Even when your spouse appears to not care that you don't like or respect their parents, and even if they themselves do not like or respect their parents on an unconscious level, they might feel ashamed and angry when you trash them. People often feel both pride and sometimes horror that they come from their parents. Even in the most strained relationships between children and parents, there will still be a lingering loyalty. Even when a person is fully cut off from one or both of their parents, you should know that they are, according to therapists, still deeply engaged with their parents. So, it is a best practice to not collude with your spouse against one of their parents, nor should you openly state your disdain, even if you feel it. A happy marriage is facilitated by the support of a spouse's feelings and by attempting to reframe and find peace with their family of origin. It's not precisely the same Jewish law as the fifth commandment to honor one's parents, but it does have the same principles. And remember that the commandment doesn't say you shall, thou shalt love your parents. It says thou shalt honor them. To honor someone because they gave you life in partnership with God or raised you to the best of their ability does not require love or even like. It is in simple recognition and gratitude for that life, that honor is due. Even grown adults can still lament that they did not have the parent they needed or that they deserved. They may feel tremendous pain from that their entire life, but in that pain also lies a yearning for some sort of closure some hope or desire that things will change, that they might get the apology they always wanted, that their feelings will finally be validated. And yet, many of us die 
without ever having that happen. Our spouse can and should be supportive of our feelings without deepening the hurt by colluding. But what if your mother-in-law has been clearly antagonistic towards you or your kids? What if there is objectively a reason to want to avoid her, to avoid her house or any place she might even show up? What if your spouse doesn't support you in this? You know, marriage counselors say that this is a common source of pain and marriage breakdown. The Halacha Yomit, a wonderful source for Jewish law, says, The Oral Torah states that one of the signs of the period immediately prior to the arrival of the Messiah is that daughter-in-laws will rise up against their mother-in-law, and others have a different version in the Mishnah, the Oral Law, that son-in-laws will rise up against their father-in-laws. Based on this, Nowadays, when it's common for brazen words to be exchanged between daughter-in-law and mother-in-law or between son-in-law and father-in-law, this is indeed a sign that the end of our exile is near. Although the parents of the husband or wife may sometimes not treat their son-in-law or daughter-in-law properly, it is nevertheless forbidden to act audaciously towards them, and one must always treat them respectfully. If the relationship with one's in-laws causes strife or aggravation, the couple should consult an outstanding Torah scholar who has experience with these issues regarding how to proceed. This is a powerful quote, isn't it? And a mighty bitter pill to swallow. Nevertheless, this week, can you examine your relationship and your communication about your spouse's family particularly between the two of you? Can you refuse to collude and can you hold your tongue if they speak poorly of their families of origin? If you have issues with your spouse's family, can you process it with a trusted therapist or a friend or a clerical person? Because both Jewish law and philosophy agree with what most happily married couples already know. Don't trash your spouse's family, even if they deserve it. May this act of self-control and dignity bring the final redemption to the entire world. Thanks for listening to Rise and Shine. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to Momentum Podcasts on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Join Adrian again next time for more timeless wisdom and uplifting meditations that fill your heart, feed your soul, and start your day on a positive note. This podcast was sponsored by the Zeitelman Family Foundation. Spread the wisdom. Inspire Jewish individuals around the globe by supporting Momentum's podcasts. To sponsor, contact podcast at MomentumUnlimited.org. You're listening to a Momentum Podcast. For unlimited inspiration, wisdom, and empowerment, visit MomentumUnlimited.org.